Psalm 75, verse 6. Promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one, he setteth up another. Hmm. And today I want to preach to you for just a little while on this subject. Being positioned for my promotion. Being positioned for my promotion. When I was a, a youngster, I don't know, maybe eight, ten years old, I, uh, I went to the teacher. I was never very good at school. Didn't like school. Um, but my dad convinced me that everybody had a job. And my job when I was a child was to go to school. So I kind of went and put my time in, but I didn't like it very much. I enjoyed Fayette class, recess, and lunch. But what I didn't like was I didn't like tests. Didn't like that. So I went to the teacher, and I, I kind of raised my hands, and I said, Teacher, I just want to share something with you. I don't like tests. I listen to what you say. That might have been a lie, but I listen to what you say and I do the best I can in the classroom. When that test comes, I get all nervous and antsy and I'm worried that I'm, I'm going to fail. And is there any way that you could just kind of let it slide on there? Just trust me that I'm, I'm, I'm learning. The teacher said, no, 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 that's not going to work. She said, what you don't understand is that tests have a promotional purpose. Did you hear what I just said? Tests have a promotional purpose. We can't pass you to the next grade without making sure that you understand what you've already been taught. Is anybody going to preach with me today? Now, if I scream and yell and wave my arms, you'll probably be a little more excited, but you won't listen as good, so I want to make sure you hear what I'm saying. Tests are for promotional purposes. And it's the same in the kingdom of God. They are for promotional purposes. And I want to say this, too, in an opening remark. If you're a Christian and you think that because you're a Christian, everything needs to go your way, and everything is going to be uh, seashells and balloons and all that, you are mistaken. Bad things can happen to good people. Just the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. The difference between the believer and the non-believer is that the believer believes there's a purpose and that somebody greater than them is bringing about that purpose. Mark Twain said, the two most important days in your life are the day that you're born and the day that you discover your purpose. Why are you here? Well, what's God's plan for your life? There, is, there are going to be some tests and I'm gonna show you that today and hopefully you're gonna leave here saying, now I get it. I understand that God really does want to pass me, promote me, lead me. 
use me. Because he does. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Everything is going well for Abraham. He finally has his son. His son is about 25 years old. He's happy. Things are going good. Until this thing is asked of him. Genesis 22 and 1. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. He said, take now your son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, get thee into the land of Moriah, offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. A couple things interest me about this passage that I just read to you. I think if the Lord asked something like that of me, I'd say, excuse me, Lord, can I have a moment for rebuttal? I'm, I'm not understanding what you're doing here. Can you please give me an explanation as to why you would make me wait till I was 100 years old to have our first child, and then when he's in his prime, take him from me? And not only take him from me, but you want me to take him. You want me to kill him. It sounds reasonable to me, but not Abraham. Not one word. And he goes home that night and he's packing up things and milling around in the house and getting everything ready for him and his son to leave the next day. And I'm sure that Sarah noticed it. What are you doing, Abraham? It's not time for the sacrifice. Well, I'm just going to do what God tells me to do. He gives her no warning, no explanation. He just packs everything up. And then he takes off with a couple of his servants and Isaac and they get... And and he's got three days and three nights to think about this. That would be mental torment for me. Man, I got to slay my son and I got to live with that for three days and three nights. And then finally, when he sees the mountain afar off, he never says one word to Isaac except when Isaac asks the question, where's the sacrifice? That'd be a good message to preach. Pastors love that kind of thing. Where's the sacrifice? And and he said, Abraham, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham doesn't give him any explanation. He just says, well, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. That'll preach too. Which is exactly what he did. The Lord did provide himself as a sacrifice. And you know what? Isaac trusts his father so much that there's no rebuttal. And he takes him up on this mountain and and pretty soon they build the altar together and he says, now Isaac, get up on this altar. And he straps him down and Isaac doesn't say anything. He just trusts his father. And he's strapped down and he's he's there and, and now he knows what's about to happen and he doesn't say or do anything. 
And Abraham takes that knife and raises it up. And you can read about it here in, in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 12. The voice says, Lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. Now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. Wow. Abraham is now, after this thing, positioned for his promotion and God's promises. And here they come. Genesis 22 and 15. The angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, Be, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, because you have done this thing. You've done this thing. And you have not withheld your son, your only son, that in blessing I will bless thee. In multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. I asked you for the most difficult thing I could ask. I know that you love this boy. I know he's your only son. I know this is hard for you. And I want to say this to somebody. Don't be surprised if God comes to your life sometime and says, I want this. Will you give this to me? And it will be a hard thing. But after these things, if you are obedient, God will promote and give you promises that he alone can fulfill. You are being positioned for your promotion. What about Job? Uh, that's another tough one for me to figure out. I mean, it, it practically calls him a perfect man. He's extremely blessed of God. What is this thing that he allows in Job's life? Would Job not say, why are these things happening to me? I don't know. Some, I guess I'm going to be transparent with you here. Sometimes I say, now God, these evil people, they get, they, they're, they're going to get what they deserve. But I'd like to see just a sample while we're waiting. I mean, fire... But not the righteous. Not, not you people who come here to worship God and you, and you come to an altar and you give of your time and your talents and your treasures and, and you pour yourself into the kingdom and, and we think we should have more because we're doing the right things. But the world is watching us and we're not doing the right things so that we can have more, so that we can get more. We're doing the right things because we're in love with God and we want to be pleasing to him. And whatever he asks of us, we will give it. And the world needs to see that from us. They need to see that from us. Here's 
In one day, Job loses all of his possessions, his wealth. He loses his children, lost it all. What a terrible set of things that happened to him. But in Job 1 and 20, it says Job rose. He rent his mantle. He shaved his head. He fell down upon the ground and he complained and whined about it. Is that what it says? What did he do? He worshiped. I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but I believe there's a difference between praise and worship. I believe that praise can be based upon performance. That's why we, some people praise athletes. That's praise. Well, you're such a good player. By the way, I would like to offer Aaron Rodgers to the Carolina Panthers or any other team that... I don't care what he thinks. Why did you? I better be careful. Go too far. I don't understand why some things happen. But, but, uh, but worship, on the other hand, oh, now that's a different matter. See, you can worship even when you don't feel like praising did you hear that? Worship is because of who he is. I worship you because of who you are. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the healer. You are the deliverer. You are the provider. You are the protector. I worship you for who you are. Hallelujah. Praise God. So Job falls down and he worships. And this is what he said after that. He said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name. Take away. What a terrible thing to say after take away. It's the right thing. If you give it, I appreciate it. If you take it, it was never mine. What do you own? You own nothing. You may be a steward of some things. But if you are, it's because the owner of all things, come on now. The owner of all things has entrusted you with it and allows you to use it. But if he calls it back, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's worthy to be praised and to be adored. And in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Now, God never brought, I'd like to point two things out to you. Number one, God never brought these things on Job. Satan did. Now, God allowed it, but he didn't bring it. He allowed it. So if you go through something as a Christian, whether it's from Satan or it's from your own bad choices, God allowed it. He didn't cause it. 
you think about that. He allowed it. Why? Because he's going to use it to take you to your next promotion. To your next promotion. Hmm. And listen, when Job was able to forgive the people that said that he was in sin, he was ready for his promotion. The Lord blessed, this is Job 42 and 12, the Lord blessed the latter end, listen to this promotion, the latter end of Job more than the beginning. Now he had twice as much. 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys after he had lost these things. First, he had to lose the things before he could be promoted to a double portion. He also was restored with seven sons and three daughters. Even his children were restored. Wow. Now, before you get all excited about, well, I, I, I'm sure glad I'm not Job. You are not Job. God treats each of us differently. He does not allow us to be tempted above that we are able. He knows our limitations. He knew Job's limitations. And he allowed Job to go through those things because he knew that Job could handle it. He won't put you through the same things if he doesn't think you can handle it. So relax. Relax. God knows better than you what you can handle and what you can't handle. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Let me take you to Joseph. The favored son. The dreamer. Look at all the things that Joseph has got to go through. How about from being a favorite son to being a slave in a country where you can't speak the language and you know no one. How about this thing? How about being accused of rape and being innocent and having to go to prison? Wow. How about being in prison and, and getting a promise from the butler who said, well, when I get restored, like you said, according to the interpretation of my dream, I'll mention you to Pharaoh. And he doesn't. See, Joseph had an attitude. Listen to his attitude. If I'm going to be a slave, I'm going to be the best slave that Potiphar's ever had. And because of his attitude, he was promoted in the house. And pretty soon, Joseph's running the house and all of the finances of Potiphar. If I'm going to be falsely accused of rape and thrown into prison, I'm going to be a model prisoner. I'm going to be the best prisoner, the most obedient prisoner that this prison has ever seen. And pretty soon, he's got the keys and he's running the jail, the prison. And, and I'll just wait until that butler finally brings my name up to Pharaoh. And when he does, my time will come. His attitude kept him. And after all of these things, his promotion came. Look at his promotion here. In Genesis 45 and 7, 
when he finally, and here's his opportunity to punish his brothers. Instead, listen to the way he talks to them. Genesis 45 and 7. God sent me before you to preserve you a prosperity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So it's not you that sent me to hither, but it's God hath made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord over all of his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. After all these things, the promotion came. And if that hadn't happened the way that it did, they would have starved to death. It would have been the same result of the flood. Everybody dies from seven years of famine on the earth. Finally, let me share this with you. What about Jesus, our true hero? From the beginning, he was hated by the religious. He and his parents had to flee to Egypt because Herod wanted to kill him. He was betrayed by one of his disciples. He was forsaken not only of his disciples, but all those that he healed, all those that he ministered to, all those who fawned over him and told him how great he was. None of them stayed with him. And then lastly, he was crucified. Hmm. Why? So that he could be promoted. Even Isaiah prophesied of him in Isaiah 53 and 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. All these things. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and here it is. And with his stripes, we are healed. He was purchasing our salvation. All of those bad things that were happening to him, after all he'd ever done that was good, he was there for a specific purpose. And that was to redeem us and to heal us and to afford us the opportunity to one day spend eternity with him. Listen to what Philippians has to say about after these things. Philippians 2 and 7 reads this way. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant we heard that this morning, didn't we? He took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Two keys, humility and obedience. Because if you get those two things right, here's what comes next. God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. No name greater than this name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. 
and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. Wow. Where did it begin? It began after these things that he had to go through. And the disciples never saw it. They didn't understand it. When... <clears throat> When I was uh, 50 years old, my doctor told me that I should get a colonoscopy. But I couldn't afford health insurance. All Sister Kylie and I had at that age was a major medical, $5,000 deductible. Well, I thought I was doing all right, so I never did it. I never got it, like the doctor told me to. But then one day and. 2007, I, I, had the, I had a kidney stone. How many of you ever had a kidney stone or a gallstone? I feel bad for you. I mean, I have never had more pain in my life than when I had a kidney stone. And we were up in northern Wisconsin, Pastor, and uh, hospitals aren't very good up there. And we had, I was a police chaplain, and I had red lights and a siren on my car and I took advantage of it. And I told my wife, I said, we are going to Rhinelander Hospital and we are gonna get there as fast as you can drive because I'm holding onto this stirrup and I'm bent over in this position and I'm groaning and moaning. And, and we got the lights and siren on and we're going to the hospital. And we got to that hospital and she said, well, where should I park? I said, don't worry about parking, just drive up to the emergency door. She drove up to the emergency door, I jumped out I ran in through that emergency room and nurses were trying to stop me and I found the first bed that I could find and I jumped up on that bed and I said, I want morphine now. That's a terrible thing. Terrible thing to have a kidney stone. But you know what? It used up my deductible. I had to spend the money. So, I mean, it was getting near the end of the year and I thought, well, I've used my deductible. I, maybe I better do what the doctor told me to do. And I, I went and got checked out. The doctor came back and he said, well, he said, I see something in here I don't really like, but you go, to, you go see the surgeon about it. So I went and saw the surgeon. And the surgeon said, well, sir, he said, you have colon cancer. If you'd waited about six more months, there wouldn't be a thing we could do for you. And then he gave me one bit of bad news after another. This is what's going to happen next, 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 next. All bad things. But you know what? Before they ever gave me chemo even, God was shrinking my cancer. And the guy that was gonna give me the chemo said, I want one more picture. And that's how they determined that the tumor was actually smaller when they, than when they found it. And I said, well, you guys haven't done anything. Who's gonna get the credit for this? He said, well, you'd have to give the credit to God because you're right, we haven't done anything. I had a minor surgery, and that was 16 years ago. 
And here's my point. If I wouldn't have had the kidney stone, I would have died of colon cancer. But after these things, you see, I was being positioned for my promotion. Now I can stand before you and tell you that God's a healer. He can heal of cancer. I'm living proof. I'm 16 years down the road. No sign, no problem. That's the kind of God we serve. Now here's the last thing I want to share with you. I was not raised in the church. Neither was my wife. I told you I was 22 when, when we came into the church. I had a BC, before Christ, life for 22 years. But after these things, the things I did that I'd be ashamed to even talk about today, I have a BA life, born again life. I will tell you this much. You're looking at a guy. This is what my wife said to me one day, and it scared me. My wife said to me, I was pretty close to 22. She said, you know what I'm afraid of, Rick? I said, no. I'm afraid that the first words out of our kid's mouth will be curse words. Because you got such a foul mouth and an angry temper that this is going to be hard on our kids. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, boy. But you know what? When God filled me with the Holy Ghost, he took all that anger away. He took all that cursing away. I'll bet I could have 20 people that would stand up and say, I've been delivered of drugs. I've been delivered of alcohol. God's restored my marriage. God's blessed this and God's blessed that. That was all BC stuff, but now I am born again. God has changed me from the inside to the outside. The lips that once cursed him now praise him. The life that once abhorred him now adores him. Now it's easy to come to the altar. Now it's easy to worship God because I know what it was like without God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so today, I get to make at least the first altar call. Pastor will take it from there. But I want to tell you something in addition. I appreciated what he said about the altar. Can I tell you this about the altar? Why? Sometimes we forget that visitors are not used to what we do all the time. If I were a visitor and, and, and somebody stood up and said the altar's open, I'd say, what, what is that? All those people that are going up there to pray, those must be the worst sinners in the church. That's why they're going up to the altar. That's not true. Those are usually the best people in the church. Those are the ones that are saying, you know what? I heard the preaching of the word today and my life needs a tune-up and I'm going to go to the altar and I'm going to talk to God about this and I'm going to ask him to help me to overcome that. I'm going to get a tune-up. Another group over here are going to say, you know what? I haven't changed my oil in years. I spoke in tongues 20 years ago and I haven't spoken tongues since. Can you remember the last time that you spoke in tongues at an altar? 
Can you remember the anointing that God has placed on your life? When's the last time you had an oil change? And by the way, when you get your oil changed, get the filter changed too. It'll help you talk better. You won't talk about negative things. You'll talk about positive things. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He saved my soul. He touched me just in time. You got an old filter and you got an oil change and you got a fresh anointing because God has promoted you. God has promoted you. Let's stand together. So I want to invite you to this altar today and I want to leave you with this final story. True story. An elderly couple came home from the mission field. They were on a ship and they came from overseas. And when they arrived at New York Harbor, as they were approaching, they heard a band playing. People clapping their hands. There was excitement in New York Harbor. The missionary didn't know what it was about, so he asked. And they said, well, we didn't know it at the time, but President Roosevelt is on this ship. And he's coming home from overseas. And everybody is here to greet him and to sing his praises for what he's done for our country. And that man's heart sank. And he thought, you know what? I've I put my whole life into ministry, Pastor. And, and I'm arriving home and I don't have a lot of money. And there's nobody waiting for me. I don't even know how I can walk to the motel. How is that, Lord? And the Lord said, the reason that it's different for you than it is for the president is because you're not home yet. Did you hear what I just said? You're not home yet. You want the band? You want the party? You want the marriage supper of the lamb? You're going to get it. It's just that you're not home yet. Death is the final promotion. And after all these things and all the, even the bad things that have happened in your life and you're on your deathbed and it may not be long before you leave this world, you can know that after these things, you receive your promotion. Because all of your life has positioned you for such a time as this. Jesus, I pray as people come to this altar today, for whatever their reasons are, that they'd understand that you know what's best for our lives. Help us, oh God, to find that secret place of the Most High and dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, to know that you're in charge, you know exactly what you're doing, and no matter what things come our way, we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are the called according to his promise. We know you will keep your promises, Lord. We're going to finish this race strong, oh God. Whatever thing comes our way, we know that you're with us and you'll take us through it. Help us, oh God, to be pleasing to you, to be filled with you, and to be used of you for your glory in Jesus' name.
God, come and move on.